Hi everyone, Matt here. The current book we're reading is Peter Pan and we started it in episode 15. So if you haven't been listening to the podcast so far, I suggest going back to episode 15 so that you know what's going on. If you're brand new to the podcast, I'd say go back to episode two where we read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and you can binge all the way from there. Thanks. and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. Ahoy there, it's David. <laughs> and I am Josh Matheson. <laughs> Apparently, you know that ahoy, this is going to be my random fact straight off. Ahoy was what the uh, guy who invented the telephone wanted you to actually say when you answered it. I thought it was halloo. I, I thought it was ahoy like... and that is all instead of goodbye. Really? <laughs> I'd like that. I'd like that. I that know the all. second one's definitely right. It's definitely that is all. That is all. Because I thought halloo was a, it's a hunting call. Oh, is it? Which is why it would be saying it in context. Yeah, I'm probably going to get messages to say I'm wrong now. You're on the, fo- you're on the phone for the first time. There's like pressure. You're like, what am I going to say? Pants. Ah- uh-huh. ahoy, ahoy is... Um... Nautical, isn't it? No. Well, yes. Oh. But it's ahoy is actually hello and goodbye. Like, uh, it's, you know, like salut means kind of hi and bye and like right. ch- ciao. Aloha. Yeah, and, and aloha and ciao. Ahoy is, it means the same thing, but in some kind of language, I can't remember, Scandinavian perhaps? Right, uh, okay. Bring back remember. ahoy. Yeah, I think it's a great, for, for great word. Yeah. I like that is all because it would stop you having those phone conversations where people try to add stuff. Yeah. Like, okay, then. Right. Well, it was really nice to speak to you. <laughs> oh, and um, I must remember the chairs. No, 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 no. That is no. all. <laughs> that is all. Good day, sir. <laughs> we'll we'll finish this podcast today with that is all. That is I'm all. That. I'm not going to forget it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so this week we're looking at chapter 12 of Peter Pan, which is the children get carried away <laughs> no that's a slightly different chapter i think uh, <laughs> not far no. off though the, the children are carried off oh the yeah, children carried get off. carried away and start, <laughs> start it's like, stabbing getting carried them. off quite a, is that's got a euphemistic nature to it isn't it as well it's sounds... getting carried off by someone there is, is there is definitely there is yeah there is it's yeah. kidnapping um, isn't it yes we'll go so. with that Oh, are you thinking something? Oh, okay. Right. You can tell me afterwards. This is a PG podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, but it's all set because I didn't actually say it. I can be I can be as euphemistic as you like. The, the thought exists only in the heads of those people that know it. Yes. So <laughs> if you are offended by that, you have only yourself and your own brain to... Yeah. Your, yep. your filth. Filth. Win, win. <laughs> yeah. So last week, we heard Wendy's story which was just about them arriving in Everland and their plan to eventually go home. Them talking about the window being open. And the little future flash forward about, oh, look, there's Wendy and John and Michael grown up and they come back and yeah. window's still open and everything's still good. Yeah, and then Peter gave the revelation that after he left home, he then went back to his house to find that there was another new little boy sleeping in his bedroom that his mum had forgotten about him. Yeah, And so that left the darling children to start to panic that their parents won't actually have the window open and that they won't have a home to go back to if they don't go back sooner rather than later. And then the chapter finished quite eventfully with the pirates attacking the tribe and Peter deciding that he wants to go and have a little go at that. 
probably mm. to vent some frustration at the darling children leaving him. And that's where we left off, wasn't it? So we're kind of hoping that we dive straight into a, a an all-out brawl or yeah, 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 yeah. some yeah, kind we of... We need it. We, we've, we've earned it. We've definitely. Had a, we've had a lot of clubhouse, not even banter, really. No, been we've been very stories patient. about stuff we know about. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story. It's everything you know. Yeah. I've heard of this book already. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy tells a story. Turn to page 25. The joke that's it, if big, Lewis Carroll yeah, was yeah. doing it, that's what you do. But that's the thing. <laughs> it's like, for whose benefit was that story? Because the reader knows it because we've been there since the beginning. And then he even says that the Lost Boys have heard the story multiple times before. Yep. So nobody is hearing this for the first time. Wendy just clearly isn't a creative mind. No, she isn't. Oh, bless her. But there you go. So shall we find out what this fighting is about and what's going on? Chapter 12. The children are carried off. Now you said it. I I can't not hear that. David! The pirate attack had been a complete surprise a sure proof that the unscrupulous Hook had conducted it improperly, for to surprise Redskins fairly is beyond the wit of the white man. By all the unwritten laws of savage warfare, it is always the Redskin who attacks, and with the wiliness of his race he does it just before the dawn, at which time he knows the courage of the whites to be at its lowest ebb. The white men have in the meantime made a rude stockade on the summit of yonder undulating ground, at the foot of which a stream runs, for it is destruction to be too far from water. There there wait the onslaught, the inexperienced ones clutching their revolvers and treading on twigs, but the old hand sleeping tranquilly until just before the dawn. I'm hoping that every with every sentence you say, it's going to start making sense. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like maybe the chapter. next sentence will clarify what I'm listening to. I think they're just trying to demonstrate the differences between how how the Redskins approach a battle and how other people do. Yeah, but trust J M Barry to make a battle complicated. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you could, it could it could just happen. You could have gone the pirates attacked. The Redskins were surprised. Yeah, and and and, and give me a description. That is like, all we need. I need. I want to know about Smee jangling it around. Now, normally, if you attack a Redskin at four o'clock, it'll be surprised. But if you do them at five thirty, it'll be ready. <laughs> if the white person comes at six twenty-five, he might not be ready. But it depends what he's had for his dinner. <laughs> <laughs> If it's sunny, if it's raining, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> but it's just so overcomplicated, isn't it? I just don't quite understand why. But anyway, no. hopefully it will make sense in a paragraph's time. Through the long black night, the savage scouts wriggle snake-like among the grass without stirring a blade. The brushwood closes behind them, as silently as sand into which a mole has dived. Not a sound <laughs> is to be heard... I love a little image of a little mole diving Yeah, I enjoyed that bit before. (laughs) Not a sound is to be heard, save when they give vent to a wonderful imitation of the lonely call of the coyote. The cry is answered by other braves, and some of them do it even better than the coyotes, who are not very good at it. (laughs) What? They're not regular their own he... noise. I don't know. <laughs> Why is he slagging off the coyotes now? Oh, they rubbish. Yeah. What, no, what makes do. it better? Do they add vibrato or like what is it? Is it... Oh. Ow. 
<laughs> a little bit of a little bit of vibrato in the end. Have you seen that YouTube video? The dog that has vibrato. No. <laughs> you like how I need to find it. Honestly, it's like the Luther Vandross of dogs. It's hilarious. Amazing. Maybe Nana's just a really good singer, and that's like because this world is technically created by the maybe by the children. Maybe Nana's just like an opera singer, yeah. and the Coyotes just like <laughs> you know like pub karaoke in comparison. <laughs> So the chill hours wear on, and the long suspense is horribly trying to the pale face who has to live through it for the first time. But to the trained hand, those ghastly calls and still ghastlier silences are but an imitation of how the night is marching. That this was the usual procedure was so well known to Hook that in disregarding it he cannot be excused of the plea of ignorance. The Piccaninnies, on their part, trusted implicitly to his honour, and their whole action of the night stands out in marked contrast to his. They left nothing undone that was consistent with the reputation of their tribe, with that alertness of the senses which is at once the marvel and despair of civilised peoples. They knew that the pirates were on the island from the moment one of them trod on a dry stick and in an incredibly short space of time, the coyote cries began. Every foot of ground between the spot where Hook had landed his forces and the home under the trees was stealthily examined by braves wearing their moccasins with the heels in front. They found only one hillock with a stream at its base, so that Hook had no choice. Here he must establish himself and wait for just before the dawn. Everything being thus mapped out with almost diabolical cunning, the main body of the redskins folded their blankets around them, and in the phlegmatic manner that is to them, the pearl of manhood squatted above the children's home, awaiting the cold moment when they should deal pale death. Here, dreaming, though wide awake, of the exquisite tortures to which they were to put him at break of day, these confiding savages were found by the treacherous hook. From the accounts afterwards, supplied by such of the scouts as escaped the carnage, he does not seem even to have paused at the rising ground, though it is certain that in that grey light he must have seen it. No thought of waiting to be attacked appears from first to last to have visited his subtle mind. He would not even hold off till the night was nearly spent. On he pounded with no policy but to fall to, get into combat, what could the bewildered scouts do, masters as they were of every warlike artifice save this one, but trot helplessly after him, exposing themselves fatally to view, while they gave pathetic utterance to the coyote cry? Around the brave tiger lily were a dozen of their stoutest warriors, and they suddenly saw the perfidious pirates bearing down upon them. Fell from their eyes then the film through which they had looked at victory. No more would they torture at the stake. For them the happy hunting grounds was now. They knew it, but as their father's sons they acquitted themselves. Even then they had time to gather in a phalanx, dense formation, that would have been hard to break had they risen quickly. But this they were forbidden to do by the traditions of their race. It is written that the noble savage must never express surprise in the presence of the white. Thus terrible as the sudden appearance of the pirates must have been to them, they remained stationary for a moment, 
not a muscle moving, as if the foe had come by invitation. Then, indeed, the tradition gallantly upheld, they seized their weapons, and the air was torn with a war cry. But it was now too late. It is no part of ours to describe what was a massacre rather than a fight. Thus perished many of the flower of the Piccaninny tribe. Not all unavenged did they die. So basically he's saying normally what happens is the tribe attacks first. Hook has broken that rule, as it were, by being the person to attack them. Yeah. They've been caught unawares, but because they have this pride in being great warriors, they they don't like kind of to show that they're they've been surprised or caught with their trousers down. So they just grabbed their weapons and fought bravely anyway, even though they knew that the chances of them being able to win because they'd been caught unawares was very slim. Yes. And then basically he's just decided that the actual battle, i.e. the exciting bit, he's just not going to bother describing to us. I was going to say, like... <laughs> of war there. We've got all that blinking preamble and then he goes, oh, we won't talk about the, the massacre because it was a bit too, a bit too much. Yeah. I, I think that would, like, even for a child of 100 years ago, they would have been going like, what? Yeah. That's the only excitement they get. I sort of, I sort of was in there and then I... I came out again and it took me a while to get back into what, what was actually going on because mm. there was so much like sort of wording to it. I, I, under, I understood then about the sort of the readiness of the of the Redskins and everything. But mm. like I enjoyed the description about the sort of moving through the night. I thought that was the start of a really like suspenseful start. Like yeah. a, a twig, a twig broke. The Redskins look up. They saw nothing suddenly yeah, out in the yeah. dark. Like, yeah. But like, like well, the glint of a yeah. hook in the darkness, or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could have you could have built so much suspense around this, and even if you don't want to describe the gory details, give me some of the blows. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like Tiger Lily's meant to be this amazing like warrior, yeah, who's got a hatchet and just you know doesn't take any prisoners and. You know, at least give me some, some of it. I think she buried the hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> Where's it gone? <laughs> Thus perished many of the flower of the Piccaninny tribe. Not all unavenged did they die, for with lean wolf fell Alf Mason to disturb the Spanish main no more, and among the others who bit the dust were Geo, Scoury, Chas, Turley and the Alsatian Fogarty. Oh, no. the dog died. That's sad. The good singer as well. <laughs> <laughs> the alto. Turley fell into the tomahawk of the terrible panther, who ultimately cut away through the pirates with Tiger Lily and a small remnant of the tribe. That sounds like a, a bad excuse, doesn't he? Oh, he, he fell into my <laughs> knife. <laughs> I didn't mean it. He fell into my knife ten times. <laughs> he had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I really want to see the pirate. I want to see the pirate of that. <laughs> to what extent Hook is to blame for his tactics on this occasion is for the historian to decide. He had waited on the rising ground till the proper hour. He and his men would probably have been butchered, and in judging him, it is only fair to take this into account. What he should perhaps have done was to acquaint his opponents that he proposed to follow a new method, 
On the other hand, this, as destroying the element of surprise, would have made his strategy of no avail, so that the whole question is beset with difficulties. One cannot at least withhold a reluctant admiration for the wit they had conceived, so bold a scheme, and the fell, deadly genius with which it was carried out. What were his own feelings about himself at that triumphant moment? Fain, gladly, would his dogs have known, as breathing heavily and wiping their cutlasses. They gathered at a discreet distance from his hook, and squinted through their ferret eyes at this extraordinary man. Elation must have been in his heart, but his face did not reflect it, ever a dark and solitary enigma. He stood aloof from his followers, in spirit as in substance. The night's work was not over yet, for it was not the redskins he had come out to destroy. They were but the bees to be smoked so that he could get to the honey. It was Pan he wanted, Pan and Wendy and their band, but chiefly Pan. Peter was such a small boy that one tends to wonder at the man's hatred of him. True, he had flung Hook's arm to the crocodile, but even this and the increased insecurity of life to which it led, owing to the crocodile's pertinacity, persistence, hardly account for a vindictiveness so relentless and malignant. It's funny how he, so every now and then he will say that it was the arm that was yeah. cut off. And I'm just imagining like, could you imagine a, hook. a stub <laughs> here with a hook? Yeah, like a really long hook. <laughs> it's suddenly a lot less threatening, isn't it? Like, or like a broom like handle. A T-Rex, T-Rex yeah. arm with a hook on the end of it. <laughs> I'll cut you. I'll cut you. <laughs> Just come closer. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> come here so I can stab you. <laughs> It's extendable like um, Inspector Gadget. (laughs) (laughs) A telescopic umbrella. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's like if you cut someone's like at the wrist, that's a hand. Do you mean it's not an arm? It's a hand. It puts a whole new a whole new sort of aspect on Captain Cox then, doesn't it? (laughs) 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 It would have to be a very long one. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think David Dickard has quite the same. Yeah, it doesn't sound quite as good, does it? The truth is that there was something about Peter which goaded the pirate captain to frenzy. It was not his courage. It was not his engaging appearance. It was not... There is no beating about the bush, for we know quite well what it was, and have got to tell. It was Peter's cockiness. This had got on Hook's nerves. It made his iron claw twitch and at night it disturbed him like an insect. While Peter lived, the tortured man felt that he was a lion in a cage into which a sparrow had come. The question was how to get down the trees, or how to get his dogs down. He ran his greedy eyes over them, searching for the thinnest ones. They wriggled uncomfortably, for they knew he would not scruple, hesitate, to ram them down the poles. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine in the pirates him just standing in the tree and him just stamping them to try and get them Slow down the trunks. <laughs> in the meantime, what of the boys? We have seen them at the first clang of the weapons, turned, as it were, into stone figures, open-mouthed, all appealing, with outstretched arms to Peter, and we return to them as their mouths close and their arms fall to their sides. 
The pandemonium above them ceased almost as suddenly as it arose, passed like a fierce gust of wind, but they knew that in the passing it has determined their fate. Which side had won? The pirates, listening avidly at the mouths of the trees, heard the question put by every boy, and alas, they also heard Peter's answer. If the redskins have won, he said, they will beat the tom-tom. It is always their sign of victory. Now Smee had found the tom-tom and was at that moment sitting on it. You will never hear the tom-tom again, he muttered, but inaudibly, of course, for strict silence had been enjoined, urged. To his amazement, Hook signed him to beat the tom-tom, and slowly there came to Smee an understanding of the dreadful wickedness of the order. Never, probably, had this simple man admired Hook so much. Twice Smee beat upon the instrument and then stopped to listen gleefully. I love how they're really trying to make out that he's really diabolical. I mean, he's being very clever and very sneaky in this thing, but I don't feel like it's unbelievably wicked. But then I think with the context of how important say, fairness yeah. is... In this book, this like, must seem really unfair. Yeah, I think that's probably why he's making such a big deal out of it. Like in warfare, and you expect things like this. In yeah, isn't like in most famous battles throughout history, there has been an element of surprise. Whether it's just oh, there was more people than we expected, or they came from a different place, or an out, or, or an outwitting from, as they well. They came from above, or they came from two different places. Yeah, standard warfare, isn't it? Like, Take people by like, surprise. Oh, Pull out all yeah. the stops. He just wants people to charge each other at the correct time and just like come to blows. Mm. The tom-tom, the miscreants heard Peter cry. An Indian victory! The doomed children answered with a cheer that was music to the black hearts above, and almost immediately they repeated their goodbyes to Peter. This puzzled the pirates but all their other feelings were swallowed by a base delight that the enemy were about to come up the trees. They smirked at each other and rubbed their hands. Rapidly and silently, Hook gave his orders, one man to each tree, and the others to arrange themselves in a line two yards apart. I thought the rapidly and silently was a description of them rubbing their hands. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I mean, I, I, sorry, that's not very good for the podcast. I just did that. <laughs> that's what and I it, thought. It, it was like rapidly and silently did Captain Hook <laughs> give his orders. Oh, okay, sorry. It wasn't to do with them just standing there going like this, like crickets. <laughs> He's giving us orders. What? You came in at a, a lovely moment there, Matt, but you didn't allow me to say, end of chapter. That was it. Oh, that was all you got what? there. That was so short. He seemed to be more interested in schooling children on warfare and how it's meant to be fought or how it's honourably fought and didn't really actually give us much in terms of the actual battle. But that does seem to be quite typical of older books. I find mm -hmm. that you don't get that whole, like, he punched him in the face and then he punched him back and they don't, they don't do that blow to blow Maybe it's just thing. seemed to be inappropriate in those days. Yeah, maybe. So considered to be crass. Yeah, because even like Tolkien in Lord of the Rings, which is written quite a bit later than this, even 
the battles in the books of those were quite disappointing. He spent more time like describing random things to do with the land and the magicalness of the place. And then when it comes to battles, it's like he kind of skimmed through it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it does seem to be a feature of period books. And it's kind of mm. funny because when we've made the film remakes of these books, the battles are the things that get the most airtime. <laughs> I was going to say, they spent half the film on those bits. Yes, yeah, because visually they are more exciting to, but, to watch. Yeah, because we love a sword fight. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a good, it's, it's a good, it's so easy to like fill five minutes with a yeah. sword fight of, oh, one's in the ascendancy and then the other one, and then he nearly, and then he nearly gets him. And then, oh, suddenly he turns around and he's got the other person. Yeah. Like, I mean, they kind of yeah. lost the plot with the Hobbit. I felt like that was too many sword fights they tried to pad it out with too much fighting. that's because it's one children's book matt not yeah. three epics, epics. yeah <sighs> yeah we could do the hobbit couldn't we i don't think it's old enough tolkien has oh, been dead long enough true. unfortunately that's true dead. again we'll do it in 2060 yeah <laughs> season <laughs> four Josh said the other day he was like why did you live so long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i want to read your book <laughs> should have died straight after writing it so I'm looking at lit charts on this chapter. Lit charts! And there's a little chapter here, um, a little paragraph on Hook saying, we have learned something new and surprising about Hook. We thought all along that Hook wants to kill Peter to avenge himself for the loss of his arm or in the spirit of customary his hostility between pirates and the lost boys. But vengeance is only a cover for Hook's real feeling, a hatred so intense and specific it verges on obsession. So he's trying to say that Hook, Hook's kind of desire to kill Peter Pan goes beyond mere revenge, goes beyond just the hostility between the two bands and almost verges on the point where he is obsessed with Peter. So... quintessential best of enemies yeah but it's almost like this is they've not really described that peter's as obsessed with hook apart from him saying to the lost boys if you meet hook you have to leave him because he's mine it kind of reduces hook to this kind of psychopathic stalker level of animosity towards peter pan almost like in a normal situation in real life it would be someone you'd be getting a restraining order on yeah There's a big turning point here for me in the way that Hook is portrayed. Because earlier on in the chapters, his plans involved cake and (laughs) ridiculous, naive children's notions of how battle is conducted. This is very, very dark. We have a guy who has, even though he refuses to describe it, we have a character who has intentionally you know outwitted and surprised the enemy and And massacred massacred them yeah not captured not kind of beaten into submission but massacred and it's a big turning point yeah because up till now the other uh, analysis of the chapters was like hook is a baddie, but he is a baddie that has been created in the mind of a child. So that's why mm. he has these limitations in terms of how yeah. adult or how evil he can be. But this yeah, is he's evil. Like more, 
more dick dastardly than that than uh, Bill Sykes. Exactly. Thought, but he's gone full on Voldemort now, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. So it is. It is quite interesting that Litcharts hasn't made more of that. I I I thought that that would have been something that would have been drummed. That this is a turning point in. Well, you know readers. what? I reckon there's going to come a day at some point in the future where people will turn to the Lazy Book Club for their literary analysis. <laughs> yeah, ma- match art. <laughs> yeah. Do not quote me if you are having to write about Peter Pan in any kind of exam. I am not qualified <laughs> <laughs> to be uh, the basis of someone's GCSE or A-level literature. Peter and the other boys expect life on the island to proceed according to a series of simple rules, like the tribe in the section above. Their faith in fairness makes them easy targets for deceit. So that's kind of what we were saying before. Why has nobody thought about the fact that the pirates could be deceitful in the battle? And it's because they're so preoccupied and so locked into their rules of how the world should be rather than how the world is that they're then unable to prepare for for those unforeseen circumstances. And I feel like it's quite typical of children to be locked into some kind of routine or viewpoint and not realise that other people do not think the same way as you or may have different morals from you. The naivety is carried through this chapter in the Braves and the Lost Boys rather than the Pirates, whereas the naivety was seen through the whole island in the earlier chapters. Yeah, okay, so now they they are the weaker of the factions. Yeah, it's like the pirates have broken away from that. Yeah. Maybe it's got something to do with the fact that they'd made a decision to leave and go back to being children again. So they've, like, torn a bit of fabric in the island, in a way. Yeah, they've made that decision to leave childhood behind. Mm -hmm. By leaving Neverland, that's essentially what they've done. Yeah. They've gone, we're not going to be children forever. We will eventually become adults. And then suddenly you see a turning point in how the island suddenly conducts itself. Yeah, because you do get to a certain age when you realise, like, there's the unfairness of being a child, which is, oh, I didn't get the thing I wanted. But then there's a time you realise in adolescence of becoming an adult, the true unfairness of the world mm. in all its, like, there's there's two, there's two different levels of that, isn't there? A child's fairness is so, like, in front of their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas this seems to be a sort of the way things are, the the economy the way people are the the different Mm. factions of the island Mm. are completely different to what they imagined yeah and i think that nothing makes you grow up quicker than something horrific massacred or unfair happening to you no but but do you know what i mean like yeah something like that you know normally in normal life nowadays as they'd say modern life this probably happened back you know in outlaw days and all the rest of it but I'd say normally a turning point for people growing up now is, you know, a family member becoming seriously ill or a family member dying or a pet dying or something like that. That's normally when children start to compute that, oh, life isn't always happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on a graph. You know, and I think that that definitely starts to move you out of this rose-tinted childhood into accepting the world and being a bit more adult and a bit more well yeah that's yeah, it's funny because i was i always thought this like because there's an element of it that you know at the start they're all just like chasing each other around and the playtime never stops because in the playground you're always playing cowboys and indians or playing the different like 
if, if like boys fighting in the play like play fighting in the yeah and there's always the battle and it always respawns and you can always do it again because it is yeah. playtime but as soon as it becomes the adult factor it's like oh those people have actually died yeah we can't we can't replay that game the severity of the actions really hit home a bit yeah more. and we sort of um because at the minute where in terms of where the story's left off we don't they don't know that they're about to run into a lot of danger actually it's somehow worse the fact that we've got the, the dramatic irony that we as the reader know that they've been hoodwinked and that they're yeah. about to come out and then we, and we're like oh my goodness it's even worse rather than it's, it somehow seems worse than if they knew that they'd lost and they had to come out do you know what i mean yes yeah because at least you can come out guns blazing and come out or or it becomes a siege situation where you're like well do we just sit here and wait for them to get bored and yeah. leave yeah, yeah. or you know how many supply? How much supplies do the kids have? Well, I mean, they survive on imaginary meals, so I imagine yeah, that they can just fine. live forever yeah. under there. They just got loads as of toilet roll. Wendy's stirring the stirring the pot. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So where are we going with the next chapter? I was going to say the title of the next chapter. It has come to that point in the podcast when I ask you both what the next chapter's called. Uh, well, we're mm. asking you because you've got the book up. No, you have to. Oh, no, but we. No, but this it was is the a competition last time, Matt. Come on, this is a new feature we're introducing. Guess uh, what? The next chapter's called. Uh, oh, God. The uh, pirates invade. Um, uh, I said the Any advances on that? Um, oh. Or is it going to be something really boring, like the weight? Down, down. <laughs> or something. Or like, is it like down the trees they go or something? Yeah. Or like, okay. The well, capture. You're, you're way I'm off to capture. You're both way off the mark. I'll give you another. Right. I'll give you a clue, and then I'll give you another guess. It's yeah. um, it is quite an exciting, provocative chapter title, and it is a question. Oh, yeah. Wanna Captain go? Hook takes his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> you said provocative. He went the. He went that. But way I love. I love the fact that if we made that a question, Captain Hook takes his shirt off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a great one. I'm afraid not. This is this is, this is a famous uh, Peter Pan trope of a of a chapter. I have no idea where it's going, but chapter thirteen is called "Do You Believe in Fairies?" Oh, oh. So there's that. And if you say no, Tinkerbell dies. Apparently, but if you breathe, then adults die. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so stupid. <laughs> well, if you have any thoughts or opinions on this chapter, you can message us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. Or drop us a little line on Twitter. Our handle is at lazybookclubpod. And we've got the same handle on Instagram, at lazybookclubpod. Thank you for joining us for this chapter. We'll see you next week. That is all. That is all. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs>